Novel Open Audio, the podcast that connects the Novel user community with what's going on inside and around the Novel universe. Welcome to Novell Open Audio. I'm your host, Aaron Quill. And his sidekick, Tom Crabb. And today in the studio, we have Sabine Solheim from Germany. Sabine, good morning. Good morning, Aaron. What do you do for us, Sabine? I'm Solution Product Marketing Manager for Software Appliances at Novell. I'm based out in the SUSE office in Nuremberg, where we build uh, our appliance, SUSE Studio, and our appliance, SUSE Appliance Toolkit. Excellent. And we also have Christoph Thiel, who is also from Germany. Christoph, what do you do for us? So I am a technical project manager in the R&D department that focuses around appliances. And I am mostly on the SLE SDK and our efforts to bring SLE into Amazon EC2. But I also work on appliances. And that's actually why we asked you guys to sit down and talk to us today was specifically about appliances. Now, I know we actually have appliances going in two different flavors, really, within the company. We've got one play that's towards ISVs and then a whole other play that's towards the enterprise. So let's start to talk about just ISVs. Why are ISVs even interested in appliances? If you look at a typical ISV, you know, how it works, you know, the salesperson of an ISV comes in, say, I have a customer who's interested in buying up our application. It has to run on Windows version X. Another salesperson tells, you know, we have a good customer. It should run on Linux, otherwise we can't sell it. So the ISV really has, you know, before he can launch a product, a huge effort, you know, in deciding on which platform he's going to support his application. That has, of course, an impact, you know, how he maintain and support and also the QA of this application. Um, so that means before he really can ship the application, he has a lot of people who have to test on a various kind of platforms, also on different hardware platforms. So the benefit that appliances bring here, since we have a stack now where we have the operating system and the appliance really bundled together and deployed together, is that the operating system in a certain kind diminish and the application become much more important. For an ISV means the customer is looking more at the application rather than in the operating system, then the operating system comes from the ISV already. So the customer has not the need to say, I buy the operating system and then I come to you and, and check with you if you're supporting my, my platform. So he gets everything ready packed. And in the ideal case, it should be like downloading an application, an, an iPod application. He don't have the hassle of spending installing time, selecting uh, different versions and so on. That's the benefit for the ISV. He hopes to reduce his support matrix also you know, to shorten his sales cycle he can go out much, much farther instead of taking months to test to go through incredible support metrics and test and have QA, they can now ship much, much easier and go to market much easier than they have done before. The other thing is, I'd imagine for the end customer that's actually buying that application from the ISV, it totally changes the way that they deal with that application, where normally I'd imagine even when they want to evaluate the application, they get this big laundry list of things that they need to have pre-configured before they even start to play with the ISV's code. Like you mentioned, they've got to build a server to a specific operating system the ISV supports. They've got to configure and install probably a database and 
maybe a couple different environments that they need to run on all configured and set up properly before they can even start to play with the custom app that they were trying to get from the ISV. So it just eliminates all that and instead they just get this virtual box or physical box that they can turn on and start to look at the real product the ISV is producing right away. Exactly. And if you look at the installation process, it's very error prone. You start with setting up your operating system. Everybody who has done installation so far has the experience that everybody had an installation that failed totally and you had to give up. For the end customer, it's a similar problem. And if they have to install the operating system, then they have to configure the operating system, make sure it fits with the hardware, everything is fine. Then comes the next step, eventually the middleware, as you mentioned before, that has to be configured to run with the operating system and on top of the application. And again, configuring, installing. And if you go through the whole process, that can they sometimes, you know, if you look at applications like SAP, days yeah. where they now can reduce it to hours and that's incredible for them and the other thing is the knowledge you need to go through all these installation process if you look in you know in form of manuals yeah, if you would say you know put this in manuals there would be hundreds of pages of manuals somebody's reading to get the things installed and now he doesn't have to care about this anymore he gets an appliance he can set it up easily so the whole time and effort as well as the knowledge can put on more important business-related things rather than, you know, installation. I'd also imagine not just the whole setup, but ongoing support of the ISV for that application now has to be just so much easier because they know the database is configured properly. Exactly. Or, or if it's not and there is a problem in the database, they know exactly how the database is installed, configured, set up, and everything. So now, rather than dealing with unique scenarios at every different customer sites, it's really almost identical scenarios at every customer site, right? Yeah, I totally agree. And I would actually come up with this comparison. It's like nobody's building his own car. Nobody is like going out, getting all the parts and putting them together. But you get the car and that just works. It's plug and play. And it's the same with appliances. You don't go out and shop for your operating system in your database and your application that you want to put in there. You just get the appliance and you have everything bundled together nicely to fit into your virtual environments or your cloud or your physical servers, whatever you want it to be. And it's just there. It's plug and play. Now, when you guys are talking to ISVs, are you finding they're interested mainly in like a hardware appliance where they're going to ship a piece of hardware? Or are people really tending more towards virtual appliances where they're just sending you an image that then you can bring up and whatever virtual environment you have. It depends which application you are shipping. Now, there's certain applications which are very locked to the hardware. We probably will continue to ship as a hardware appliance. But in general, especially through virtualization, the trend towards software appliances is increasing. And that's why, you know, with the software appliance, and especially with virtual appliance, you have now a layer that cuts the hardware issues. So you have a middle layer. You concentrate on the software part above rather than, you know, does it fit with the hardware? And the benefit is with virtualization, now you can run that, what you had on a specific hardware, you can run on a standard hardware, on a hypervisor. Yeah, I agree. There's a trend towards virtual, but I think today probably 80% of the appliances are still on physical, but this is changing towards a more virtual and then in the end cloud environment. We really see that trend also in studio. How do you see the appliances playing into the cloud market? You see cloud everywhere in the press these days, and appliances seem to be tied very closely to that. Yeah, the cloud is a really interesting environment to put appliances in because it's so easy to just deploy into the cloud. In Studio, we're actually preparing to be able to build virtual images towards Amazon EC2 and, and to putting them there. It's really just a mouse click away, and then 
launching your instances of those appliances is really easy. So I get the whole ISV play. Makes complete sense to me that if I was a software manufacturer, by going to this whole appliance model, what it really allows me to do is it allows me just to concentrate on what I do best, which is create my customized application. It makes the support of all that additional middleware and underlying operating system a lot easier for me. I can see how it makes it easier to deploy for my customers. They get a much better experience. They, instead of dealing with all these other issues, are really just, when I hand them a box or an image, they're just looking at my application and not dealing with any of those other things. I can see how it makes support easier. I totally get it on the ISV side. But I know we're, we're also talking about doing appliances in the enterprise. Why would an enterprise be interested in doing an appliance if they're not creating a customized app that they want to send out to a bunch of customers? The enterprise have the same problem. If you look at big IT departments, not even smaller departments as well, they act as a kind of ISV within the organization. So they're building the full software stack for the various departments and deploying it into departments that can be a financial software, that can be an SAP system. So they have to take care of them. And the bigger they are, for example, they also have to take care of shipping it around the globe, having various subsidiaries with probably the same setup they have. So for them, the interesting things of appliances is that they can create a kind of standard also. They can provide internal customer, let me say, like this. On top of that is the same, as we mentioned before, is the installation processes. The time is incredibly short compared to what they have before, so they can concentrate on other things rather than setting up uh, the whole stack and, and configuring it. So in doing it themselves, that means building within the apartment, or within an organization, building appliances themselves, is a mix of creating standards, building images that they can deploy already, you know, where they know that's a standard image that has been defined, this is set, you know, for exactly this application, and that can be duplicated x times whatever is necessary. And they do it once and then they duplicate it. It's a huge improvement on the time set. On the other side is purchasing. I mean, that's the other option, you know, rather than building appliances internal set, purchasing appliances, that you have appliances which concentrate on a specific use case where, where they know it's, everything is already done. They purchase it and let it run. They don't need internal resources with the knowledge of the operating system. They probably run it on a hypervisor as kind of a virtual appliance. So their effort is, you know, it's like oh, we get the appliance, we get the application. For them, it's not they're getting an appliance, they're getting the application. And the application is already prepared for them. So the knowledge they have normally to put in to get such an application when they purchase it to run and, and ready to use in, in the organization, that changed totally for them with appliances. So in the enterprise, I'd imagine that, like you said, whenever you've got something that needs to be replicated or duplicated, that's where appliances are strong. So I'd imagine if you're doing anything with branch automations, where you're doing something identical for out at every branch yeah. or a store, I mean, I suppose you could even do these for something as simple as like Samba servers. If you had a standard exactly. that you wanted a, you know, all your Samba servers to look completely identical, you could build an appliance for it and make it completely replicable. And or edge services or management servers or even email devices where you get post offices and message mm -hmm. transfer agents, things like that would be yeah. a, another applicable spot. There are also departments that don't even go till the application. They take, you know, the operating system and the middleware and they say, you know, we create two or three standards. Yeah, so here is standard one with database one, here's standard two with database two, and here's standard three with database three. 
And then they say, you know, here, you other departments within our IT organization can add your application on it. So they, they go, you know, not the whole stack till the application. They go half of the stack, including oh, yeah. the, the middleware and saying, you know, we're creating standard with appliance and we ship this standard. This is pre-configured and on top you can, you know, the financial department can, you know, add their financial application on top of it. But, you know, for a support reason, for, especially for those central departments, they have the benefit that they know exactly what their internal customers are using. So even if they install the application on top of it and they are not involved in the application installation, everything that's beyond the application in the stack, they know very well it's a standard. They know what is in, which packages are in. They have the full control over it. And that's much more sufficient for them. I'm real familiar, as I'm sure a lot of our listeners are, with how we normally build a machine. You know, I'm real familiar with booting off of a DVD or Pixie booting a system, running through the SUSE install, or even using AutoYes to create something. How does that process work if I'm trying to build an appliance? How is it different? Building an appliance with SUSE Studio is really easy. All you need to have is a web browser, and you point it to SUSEstudio.com, get an account there, and you are good to go. You just start off by selecting the base operating system that you want to put into your appliance, and then you can do some software selection, pre-configure the system to, for example, automatically configure the network. You can then also configure databases like MySQL or Postgres that are already there. And uh, you can edit, add additional software that you want to have in there, like either choose from the build service that we offer or put up your own software there. And then building it is also just a click away. You build it, and then there's the really nice feature of Test Drive. I'm not sure if you heard about it. You can actually launch the appliance in the web browser, can connect to it, make changes to it, see what changes you have made, select those to be put back into the appliance, and then rebuild the whole thing. And this whole development cycle and build cycle is really, really easy and takes away the pain of doing that on a physical hardware. So when you say I can test it, does that mean you're taking that appliance and over in Germany or wherever the build servers are, it's booting it up it's in a basically, virtual system? Technically, it's working like this. It, it is on our cluster. We basically start the appliance in a virtual environment, and then we connect the web browser to it. There's a nice little flash thing that you can see the output of the appliance. You can like log into it over the network. If it's a web server, you could connect to that and, and see if everything is working correctly. And then this whole build process is really, really easy. And you don't have to know much about Linux at all to build an appliance based on it. So that way you can ensure that all the packages you've selected or all the dependencies are taken care of and it's actually going to be functional before you download it and put it into your environment. Right, right. And that's what my next question was. So we've gone through the test. Mm -hmm. We've tweaked it. We found a couple things mm -hmm. that we were missing. We've rebuilt this and we've really customized this appliance for us. What do we do then? We, we download something, right? There are certain options. You can build appliances for basically all environments that we mentioned so far. So you can build hard drive images, images for USB sticks. You could build CD images. You could build virtual images for Zen. You could put them into VMware, whatever you mentioned. And as you've built them, you can download them, put them into your own data center. Or if you're, for example, building an Amazon EC2 image, you can just click Upload to Amazon, and it will upload it into the cloud. And that's actually one thing I want to point out. I was actually talking to an ISV that mm -hmm. is using SUSE appliances to distribute their application mm -hmm. yesterday. And he said they do everything on VMware. Mm -hmm. And a couple of weeks ago, they had a customer call up that had mm -hmm. standardized on XEN. They mm -hmm. had never seen XEN before in their mm -hmm. life. 
And they panicked a little bit. They were like, you know, we want to meet these mm-hmm. customers' needs. What can we do? He said they just logged in to SUSE Studio, checked the box XEN instead of VMware. Mm-hmm. And he said the same appliance worked. They had to do absolutely nothing. And they said they were just completely blown away. And in fact, now are starting to look to push customers towards XEN because mm-hmm. it saves on the end customer's licensing costs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So very exciting. Now, I built the appliance. That's cool. I understand how that helps mm. me, how that helps me deploy it to customers, mm. how it makes their whole experience that they have a lot better. Because again, they're just focusing on the actual app or the business problem that this application solves. What about maintenance after the fact? What happens when I need to change something mm. either in my application or in the underlying operating system? Yeah, you're raising a really important question, and we have actually a solution for that. We have a so-called SUSE lifecycle management server that ties into SUSE Studio, and basically it helps you automate all these update processes and rebuilding the appliance with updates and then delivering those updates additional to the appliance to your customer. It also offers some way of integrating with your CRM application so that you can do the registration part and entitlements and all that stuff that you want to do if you sell your appliance. And that's really the key piece there. It's uh, also a service that we offer inside our SUSE Linux appliance toolkit, and it helps you to automate all that. And more important than that, if you look at the standard patch system, you know, there's a patch system for the application, there's a patch system for the operating system. With the SUSE lifecycle management server, or in, in, in general, when you have appliance, now you have everything bundled together, so you're not just patching one piece, so you have to take care of the whole stack. And the SUSE lifecycle management server exactly take care of patching all components of the whole stack. So not just concentrating on the operating system or not just concentrating on the application, but take into consideration that there's a whole stack that has to be patched or updated. We normally, in this podcast, we don't deal with dollars and figures at all. I normally don't care about licensing. I normally don't care about pricing. But when we talk about appliances, and especially enterprise-based appliances, how does the whole pricing thing work? Is this something separate I've got to pay for? People don't get it. And we've hit this when we've had the number of enablement sessions we've done. People still are thinking, if you're going to do this to enterprise, i got to pay the $100,000. And then the per-server cost. It'd be nice if we could speak to like what the costs are to build these things from mm-hmm. studio standpoint, and then what's the ongoing cost. Most importantly, getting started is free. You can go to SUSE Studio today and build your appliance there. What we need to make clear here is that we have two versions of Studio here. We have the one that is hosted at SUSEstudio.com. That is to be used for free. And you can use that if you are fine with that. If you don't have to put like proprietary applications into your appliances. And then there's the version that you can put on-site into your data center. And that's the one that we call SUSE Studio on-site. And that is the one that has a price point on it. So if I've got an enterprise that wants to deploy these appliances in their branch locations and everything, what do they need to buy or what do they need to pay for? Well, first of all, to get started, you don't need to buy anything. You can just go to SUSEstudio.com today and you can sign up there and build appliances for free. The only thing you need to take care of is your SLES subscription, and that really is what you're doing today as well. So it's really the same SLES license that I'm manually deploying on servers today. It's just the appliance gives me another way to deploy that exact same operating system in a customized... Allows me to create a build that fits my business need and then replicate that as needed and then just pay the same SUSE subscription I'm accustomed to today. Correct. Fantastic. So, Christoph, can you just give us a brief summary of everything we've covered here? What does SUSE Appliance really give me? So the complete toolkit is, I think, really important to mention here that it's not only building appliances and updating them 
in the life cycle of the appliance, but it also offers a nice web-based framework that you can use to configure the appliances, and that is what we call WebYast. And we're really proud of having these full story here and this full concept of building an appliance, managing it, deploying it, updating it, and also offering a really easy way for customers to configure the appliances. Great. Christoph and Sabine, thanks a lot for sitting down talking to Tom and I about appliances. Thank you. Remember that Novell Open Audio is brought to you by Novell Incorporated. Most of our content is directed by our listener community. So please send us your feedback by email at openaudio at novell.com or by leaving comments on our website at novell.com slash openaudio. That's it for this time. Have a good one. <laughs>